This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good morning. It's a lovely wet, albeit wet, Wednesday, 11th of May. It's 6am and of course you're listening to The Morning Run. In the studio with me is Tan Chen Lee and I'm Wong Xiaoning. How has your day been so far, Chen Lee? Oh, waiting for the rain to uh, rain upon us, I guess. Uh, it's <laughs> some, hopefully something cooling because the weather has been so hot. Yeah, but it's actually the start of this uh, monsoon season again so Mm. for all you drivers out there who are on the way to work uh, please be careful because in some parts of KL the rain has already started I think it's threatening to rain here in Tamantun but nonetheless of course we have a rather packed show this morning what do we have at 7.15 Chandi? At 7.15 we'll be talking to um, Thomas Matthew Group CEO of Talent Corporation on brain drain because we have a lot of people who went uh, probably went to studies abroad or work abroad but they don't really don't usually return home somehow (laughs) Not not well I wouldn't say the majority of them but quite a sizable number of them don't return home and we should be asking the questions as to why and how to encourage them to come back Uh, And then at 7.30, we're going to be talking about the new chief executive of Hong Kong, a gentleman called John Lee, and what we can expect uh, from his rule there with Michael Frank, who's the senior analyst of public policy at The Economist Impact. And then at 7.45, grouses. People have been complaining about this. You see a lot of this on social media. What is it about, Chen Lee? We're going to talk about the flight delays that up to a certain, uh, up to 10 hours actually for some people. 10 hours? Yes. You can fly almost to New Zealand. Exactly. And we're going to be talking to uh, Pushpalatha Subramaniam, Director of Consumer Affairs with the Malaysian Aviation Commission or MAFCOM about the implication of this and what consumers can expect out of this. Oh, okay. Interesting stuff. In fact, if you have any issues with your flight, why don't you uh, WhatsApp in 018-789-8899 or you can even uh, send us a message via Twitter. Our handle is at BFM Radio. Let us know what you think about all this. Uh, but we'll be discussing all of that and more on this show. In the meantime, keep it here, BFM 89.9. And that was the uber cool sounds of Still Sound by Toro Emoa. A very nice, chillax sound to bring us into this rather wet Wednesday, 11th of May. It is 6.09 and of course you're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Wong Xiaoning with Tan Chen Li. And up next, something very relevant to this time of the day because it's about bread, which a lot of us take for breakfast. And this is a rather interesting question that is posed by the Financial Times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chen Li, you chose this story. Tell us about it, please. Yes, yeah, so I was looking at this piece of news uh, from the Financial Times and I thought of you, Xiaoning, actually, <laughs> because you are a good baker and you're a vid baker as well. So then one of the questions that's actually asked in the article uh, is, are baker, bakers born or taught? Mm. And I want to pose this question to you because you are a, a, a good baker. Do you think this is a born trait or is this a taught kind of a self-learned because you self-learned this right of course of course i'm not a professional chef by any means okay i have done some uh, amateur cooking classes i'll call them amateur cooking classes because really it's for amateurs like me (laughs) taught by professionals (laughs) um, who then after the class become still amateurs just a little bit better in terms of knowing what to do Uh, but i think this baking thing before it is you must have an innate interest I think that's number one. You must enjoy the, the, the whole process of it. And from there, I think most of us, it's a combination of born a little bit because this innate interest is there, followed by the teaching of it to improve the skill of the baking, right? Because hmm. baking... Now, I, I come from the camp where I think 
cooking is more a science than an art. Mm. Some people think it's an art versus a science. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a science. I agree with you 100% over there because cooking is definitely a science. I mean, mixing, say, um, uh, of course, you know, after you're mixing sugar and salt and how you mix vinegar together creates a lot of it's different chemistry. chemistry. Exactly. It's a chemistry lesson every day happening in your, ki- in your kitchen, right? It's a process, right? Usually there's heat involved. Mm. Sometimes there's fermentation. There's a combination of ingredients to bring forth something different uh, but the question is do you think when in any profession so let's expand this conversation it's mm. not just about baking right it's almost every skill set do you think some for example some jobs are just really born versus thought mm. that's also the question that i have in mind i was thinking a lot about this also because uh both of us we were from the financial uh, industry right mm. and sometimes i wonder you know is it because of the certain trait that we have that we we do well in the financial industry. Hopefully, we did well. And uh, and of course, also, is this something that is like trained or over time? And I also thought about the 10,000-hour rule. Uh, or oh, that if you do something enough, it becomes part of your second nature. Exactly. So well, obviously, I've memorized Bloomberg by now, right? So <laughs> I must have spent 10,000 hours on the Maybe machine. Maybe 20,000. <laughs> yeah, quite a lot. Yeah, so that's that's the question that we uh, I ha- we have today on mm. the on this article. So our profession, some of the, maybe some of the profession, you need to be trained into it. Or some of them, they just have to trait for it. Yeah. And that's why you excel better at it. I thought about it and I was thinking to myself, okay, what professions definitely are born with and you cannot teach? Or even if there's a limit to it. And I think things like ballet dancing. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I couldn't do that, right? It'll be <laughs> a mini hippo on the stage. That's number one. Uh, pianist is another one. Artist, uh, another, another profession. Uh-huh. Uh, even for like me, mathematician, fail, sure fail, <laughs> definitely fail, okay? Um, don't even go there. But then I think there's some pro- some professions which a combination of born and taught, right? Mm. So for example, I think you, you, business studies, for example, you might not really love it, but you probably can learn it, mm. right? Or even things like... Uh, accountancy, maybe you can learn. You might not love it. You hate numbers, but you can be taught it. Mm. So I think there are some things where mm. it's a bit of both. When it comes to, let's say, investment, so fund management, definitely you can be taught it. But I think you do need to have a certain personality type for it. Mm, mm, mm. I right? agree with you. So that's a combination. But some jobs definitely don't go there if you have no skill set at all. It'll be very frustrating. I agree with you. Actually, you, you've said it quite right because there is the one spectrum which is the artistic side which is the total left brain mm. uh, trait uh, of jobs and there's also the right brain, the extreme end of it which is the mathematics to maybe astronauts, yeah. you know. So, so the in-betweens work. Yeah. Right? It's the left and the right which is, the I think, the challenge. Yeah. But I think what is interesting is that journey as you decide what kind of profession really suits you. And, you know, especially when I was growing up, you kind of think about this. What do I want to be? What do I want to do? The great news or the good news today is that the world is far more flexible in Mm. terms of left and right. You don't have to be pigeonholed into a profession. Mm, That's right. But I think everybody needs a reality check because not everybody can be a ballet dancer or a mathematician even if you're you're hoping for that. Uh, But we're heading into a quick break. When we come back, we'll be Talking about the weather dressing still matters. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're listening to The Morning Run and that was Someday by Sugar Ray. It's almost 6.20 in the morning, Wednesday the 11th of May and of course you're listening to The Morning Run. At this time of the day, we always go through some of these interesting articles that catch our eye and this one 
also chosen by Tan Chen Li, is uh, by the BBC. It's asking another question. Does dressing for success still matter? Chen Li, does it? Well, for sure. And and when I chose this, when I looked at this article, I thought of you again, Shouting. Why? Because I I bake bread while dressed nicely. Yes, that's true. Because every day you dress nicely. You never one day of bad dressing. Um, Choi, 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 choi. (laughs) Dressing helps make my mood better. So that's why I dress. I try to dress appropriately to kind of perk myself up when we come in at five in the morning, right? Mm. I mean, it might be dark outside, but we don't have to feel so gloomy. Yes, that's exactly and uh, and it's important also in the workplace because um, as more and more workplaces have a casual dress code and overdressing could mean you haven't read the culture mm. and that you might not fit in. So it depends also on you know what context you're talking about. And is this the case you think, Shoning? Because you are a dressing guru here. No, I won't say I'm a dressing guru. Please, <laughs> far from it. Uh, but yes, actually, you know, I, we we both came like you mentioned earlier. We both came from very Formal work settings, banking, investment banking, fund management. You know, I wore, I didn't wear suits. To be, to be honest, thank God, suits died uh, <laughs> halfway through my career. I think I, 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 I dread. I look at it and I'm thinking, why did I even wear this? You know, what, what was I thinking? <laughs> um, then, of course, everybody migrated to you know dresses, pants, yeah. shirts. A little bit less formal, but still quite formal. And I remember, especially we had meetings then, you know, it was like all decked out for the meeting. Then I moved to BFM and I was like, I remember uh, Mira, Mira Sivasodi, who is our general manager, I, she told me there's no dress code, except you can't wear shorts. And I was like, that's it? Yeah, that's it. And I was like, free play. Wow, <laughs> after 20 years of getting formally dressed, I don't have to anymore. But like you say, even though you move from a formal setting, a formal dress code setting to a casual one. It's not like there are no rules. There are rules. There are still rules. I think you, you as a new employee especially, you don't want to super stand out, but Mm. you also kind of want to uh, kind of Kind of fit in. Yes, yes, yes. And and at the same time, because a lot of even in the formal kind of, uh, I mean, because we are rather informal here in terms of our dress Very code Very informal. Some people look like, okay, I'm going to get, you know, uh, killed for this. But some people look like they just rolled out a bit. But never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if it's like more like a, a back to the more traditional kind of workplace, um, there's also, they're also getting more and more casual. So even for uh, my old shop where we were, every Friday is now casual. Yeah. Uh, and and, and sometimes the, net, the question here is, do you, should you still be dressing uh, formally mm. to play it safe? You know, because you want to have oh, the image. Oh, boring. Boring. <laughs> I think even if the dress code is formal, mm-hmm. you can always express yourself by the way, what, you know, what, what outfit you decide to pick that day. You can be a little bit more adventurous when it comes to your shoes, your bag, your accessory, the colour of your clothes, your makeup if you're a lady, uh, your hair. Why not? I think life is, is too short. Fashion is also how you express yourself. So to me, I think why not? But it's interesting because this article does say about individuals who appear to crack the dress code. What does it mean about them? Are they special? Have they learned the rules of the game? Or are they basically trying to personify something in in the workspace that they are here, they're in control, they know the game? Yeah, so the, the article talk about this effect called the red snake effect, which means people who wore non-conforming clothing Is at work. Is sneaker or snake? Oh, sorry. I meant sneaker. to say sneaker. Yeah, please don't <laughs> anybody bring a red snake into the office. 
Yeah, so you want to wear non-conforming clothing at work uh, to attribute to higher status and competence. So some bosses actually have already uh, have respected status, can actually increase the status. Ah, that explains my love for red lipstick. I don't do the sneaker thing, but maybe the lipstick. <laughs> yes, by dressing in a flair that, you know, when employees look at them and looking to climb the career ladder, um, because they cannot wear those clothes, but these bosses are actually mm. wearing. So actually, I kind of think about the one person that came to my mind when I was reading this was actually Steve Jobs. Uh-huh. <laughs> he of the he only wore black turtlenecks, right, for the, his like, entire career. And I think uh, Mark Zuckerberg also, he of grey t-shirt and hoodie fame, right? Yeah. So maybe sometimes they think, ah, you know, I, they're just not bothered. They, to them, this is a uniform because they're here. They're very serious. They just focus on their job. And it seems like only they... Or they're they, just maybe lazy. Perhaps. Maybe it's just you know, the same t-shirt uh, all over in the whole entire rack, you know. And we wonder whether this is actually this distinct themselves out of the rest of them. Okay, by being so monochromatic. Yeah, that's maybe right. that's their red sneaker effect. Mm, that's right. But let us know what you think. Does dressing for work give you a major headache? Or do you have joy in it? Do you like to stand out? Or do you like to just fit in with the crowd? Let us know. Our Twitter handle is at BFM Radio. You can also WhatsApp in 018-789-8899. But up next is the uh, 6.30 news bulletin. But to take us there is Here Comes the Rain Again by the Eurythmics. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're listening to The Morning Run and that song was White Room by Cream. It's 6.41, Wednesday the 11th of May and of course you're listening to Tan Chen Lee and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Now, at 6.41, exactly, we are discussing all the international headlines that have caught our eye. Uh, Chen Lee, would you like to start? Yeah, and I'm going to start with a little bit of a gloomier kind of news since, you know, with the weather and all that. So violence erupted in Sri Lanka Monday evening after the brother of President Gotabaya Rajapaksa resigned as prime minister. So um, the protesters actually gotten a bit violent here and because they're attacking or took out, uh, yeah, actually attacking homes of ruling party lawmakers. And the government actually ordered the army to shoot anyone damaging property. This is really quite sad actually of how the whole thing has evolved in Sri Lanka over the past few months. Yeah, even the Singapore Straits Times has that on their uh, front page. So shoot on site orders in Sri Lanka after deadly violence. I think that's their headline. It seems like there's no end to this politically. The impasse between the Rajapaksa family and the rest of the opposition continues in the middle. In the meantime, the people are really stuck in the middle and apparently there's a shortage of food. Yeah. Uh, there's a shortage of fuel and this is on the backdrop of, of course Sri Lanka's worst economic crisis since independence in 1948. Uh, it's a country very much dependent on remittances and tourism. Tourism of course out of the completely devastated by the impact of COVID and with the violence like that, I don't see tourists coming back to Sri Lanka anytime soon though. Yes, and their economic situation is relatively bad as well because their foreign currency reserve is very low and their talks with the International Monetary Fund for uh, emergency funds is Mm. also a little bit at risk here. It's kind of shaky because the government, there's technically no government in place to be doing all these talks. I mean, there is a government. It is the government of President Rajapaksa but he doesn't want to step down and I I think the the masses in the streets or key political stakeholders will not be at peace until he does. And then in the meantime, violence will continue. So I don't know whether pressure from other governments will bear down on the current administration. I think everybody's looking actually to the US and perhaps even China and India in terms of Mm, what diplomatic overtures they will make with regards to Sri Lanka. Now, other interesting news I picked up. Let's... 
talk about Elon Musk, mm. the man of the moment, the man of April and May because of what <laughs> he's done with his attempt to take uh, Twitter private. Now, Musk says that he will reverse Trump's Twitter ban, calling it foolish and morally wrong. And this is according to the Financial Times. Yes, and I also saw the same piece of news on Bloomberg uh, because Twitter, well, when you say foolish, he said the word foolish in the extreme was the word. And he wants to, he's thinking to, about reversing this permanent ban because anyway, Trump is, you know, he has his true social uh, that he's already quite outspoken over there. He said he doesn't see why we should be, uh, we won't allow everyone to voice their opinion because this is, again, in his uh, spirit of free speech, right? So we don't know what he will do and whether he will really successfully take over Twitter, actually. Will Trump come back, though? Doesn't he have his own social media platform? Yeah, and does he want to come back? Uh, he's been very busy in Florida and in uh, trying, actually, because they, he's still trying to portray himself as a possible Republican presidential candidate at the next US election, shock horror. And apparently he's been holding court there, meeting many Republican candidates who see him as a way to succeed in the midterm elections, which is coming up in November. So very exciting times for US at the moment. Biden, of course, trying to show that he's in charge of the economy, inflation, he has it under control, even though uh, headlines on Bloomberg show that gasoline prices in the US as summer season approaches is at all time high. Yes, and that is actually quite worrying because we see the crude oil prices coming down, but the uh, refined products of oil is actually, uh, the prices are still relatively high with diesel or gasoline or mm. jet fuel are still sky high. Another interesting headline that caught my eye is actually uh, very quickly on Bloomberg and it's headline, mixed messages from top China leaders feed speculation of split because as we know, Officially, the zero-COVID policy is in place. The repercussions and the impact it has on the economy starting to be felt now. Supply chain disruptions, people very unhappy. You can see that secretly on social media. And uh, apparently, Chinese administration, not equal, not everybody sees to eye to eye in this uh, zero-COVID strategy. So we'll be watching this space very closely. But it's now 6.45 and when we come back, we'll be looking at today's local headlines. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9 and that was Great Southern Land by Ice House. It's 6.52. You're listening to The Morning Run on a Wednesday. It's 11th of May and at this time, we always look through what are our local headlines in the papers and of course in our portals. Let's start with a bit of news which I would normally never start with because I'm not known to be that interested in sports but it's a bit of good news. Uh, it's in the Star Thomas Cup Malaysia led by Darren beat United States Wow We're doing quite well In badminton 5-0 But I didn't even know US had a badminton I didn't team. know either <laughs> Obviously I'm not very into Badminton like you as well But never mind We're taking on Japan On Wednesday uh, Which is today At 8pm So let's cheer Our local uh, team on In the meantime A lot of people Don't realise uh, It's actually Sea Games going on In Hanoi Oh, okay. <laughs> and our divers have done pretty well at the moment. Uh, they're back. They're six gold, actually. So kudos to the team then. Wow. That's home to bring bring more medals back. Because do you know that the Asian Games have been cancelled? I heard about that. <laughs> yeah, they were supposed to be in China. But with the COVID zero policy, I don't think they're going to manage, even though they did actually manage to successfully pull off the Winter Games. That's right. And I wonder why they need to cancel it when they could have, you know, done Winter Games was much bigger than this. Who knows? <laughs> uh, yeah. But what other 
other local news has caught your eye? Yeah, I'm on a more boring uh, business news here. So, so Business I'm, news is never boring. <laughs> so I want to talk about Plantation, actually, because there's quite a lot of coverage uh, on the Star and also on CEO uh, Morning Brief. Mm. Uh, but I'll start with the Star first, because on the front cover, it talks about the fruits of labour loss, because we have a... I think the, the industry or the sector is still suffering from a severe lack of foreign workers. Uh, I think it was promised a to bring in... The government actually promised to bring 32,000 foreign workers, but it's actually not really happening. And uh, a lot of people are saying that the plantation companies are actually at risk of losing some 15% to 25% of production this year because of this shortage of workers. Uh, at the same time, we also are not able to take advantage of the rising price of the CPO due to the labour shortage. Why is it so difficult to resolve this foreign labour issue when every industry, as far as we know, right, is construction, plantations, manufacturing, hospitality, services, even supermarket chains have been asking for foreign workers. And if the priority of the government is to ensure that there's economic growth and it's pro-business. Mm. What is the delay? Why the delay? I think they uh, they wanted people to apply online and initially there was also some... Um, um, the process was a little bit not clear. Is that that excuse by uh, now? Yeah. If people are desperate for workers, I'm sure they would have figured out the system. By and, right, right. By, and figured out what they need to do in terms of get, getting the application correct. So what is the hiccup? Yes, so nobody really knows what's happening behind the scene over there. Uh, but continuing on the coverage of palm oil here, uh, well, despite the shortage of worker, uh, surprisingly, Malaysia's crude palm oil inventory grew in April 2022, uh, up 17.4% as compared to March. And on the month-on-month comparison, uh, we actually grew 5.2%, which is quite a good news. And on top of that, uh, yes, Charming. <laughs> Generally, when inventories go up, it does mean that the should prices should actually come down. Uh, but that's not the case. So this morning, Palm Oil Futures Delivery in July, 6,361 ringgit. Uh, it's actually up close to 0.8%, up 52% on a year-to-date basis. Yeah. And uh, a, little, a little bit of a de- more development over here in the crude palm oil export, uh, which is... We actually want to help fill in the global edible oil shortage and also the grow the market share of the world's because we are the second largest palm mm. oil producer, After right? Indonesia. After Indonesia. And Indonesia is having all these export bans. So we're actually stepping up uh, to maybe take a bit of a market share over there. So our, we might be cutting the export tax uh, to, from 8% to mm. 4 to 6%, depending. It's still mulling right now. And the decision might be made maybe as early as June. Okay. Uh, other news has caught my eye, which is a headline in Malaysia Inside. And it's about long COVID. And this this headline is a bit shocking. More than 60% of COVID-19 patients have long COVID. Oh dear. Yes, and we are just beginning to understand what long COVID means. Uh, different people have different uh, effects from COVID. Some people just find it the extreme tiredness. Some people have lung issues. So the point is basically just try don't. Don't get COVID if you can, and if you if, and of course be vaccinated. Mm. And um, the second booster shot is starting to be offered to individuals. If it has been offered to you, please take it. It's important to ensure that you know, even if you get it, the symptoms aren't so severe. But we're heading into the seven a.m. news bulletin, and when we come back, we'll look at how markets closed yesterday. Keep it here, BFM eighty nine point nine, and to take us there is twelve fifty one by the strokes. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.